Was burping on OnlyFans a thing? It is a thing. Because it's come up twice this weekend that with Raven's ability to burp, oh, it could generate... I used to win awards. A mildly good amount of money mm-hmm. in certain circles. Right. I'm really good at it. You're really good at a lot of things. I can spit, too. I won <laughs> spitting contest and belching contest my junior and senior year of camp. I my beat all lady. them bitches out. <laughs> <laughs> Much my mother's chagrin. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty good at it. Don't want to brag or anything. <laughs> anyway. Yes, belching on OnlyFans. It's a thing. Just found out. Mm-hmm. From others, not from... That I would be willing to do on, on an OnlyFans. <laughs> what? <laughs> not from searching. No. Nope. No, you look up other things, I'm sure. <laughs> things that interest you, not including burping. I mean, if it makes you money. Mm-hmm. Whatever works, dude. Don't well, yuck a yum. Welcome back. Oh, yes, welcome back. To another episode of Witches Unknown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you couldn't hear the rest of the conversation that went on before. I had to remove that. Oh, good heavens. Yes, I'm glad. <laughs> I didn't know you were recording. So In my defense. I have no defense. I wasn't paying attention. Anyway. And, and again. No, I am determined <laughs> not to use that word as a conjunction this episode. What word? That word. Uh-huh. They all know what it is. That was a good, uh, that was funny though. <laughs> oh yeah, the jerks. <laughs> I start a, a mild roast of myself and boy, they just come in with their little cups of gasoline. Tell me 90% alcohol in five minutes. Look here. I know. <laughs> it's painful for me to listen to too, so we're all suffering together, okay? But I had literally recorded that specific episode Four times. That was the fifth time that y'all heard. So that's why I literally felt like I was repeating myself. Because I was. Again. <gasps> you don't have anything up here to shoot with. No, just my coffee. I'll take coffee a hit cup. every time you say again. <laughs> so maybe one of these times I will uh, count up and take shots. Oh, gosh. Before we do an that, episode and the, see how well it goes. Yeah, the Lilith episode is not a safe one to do that with. You'd literally be taking like 25 shots, at least. You would need a new co-host for that one. I would need a co-host. <laughs> or <laughs> do it yourself. talking to the wall. Right? <laughs> Pass out on the floor. <laughs> Get up, Bear. Anyway. No. So this week, we are continuing on with your goddess series. Yes. And I am touching on a... He's not a deity. He's a demigod. Mm-hmm. By most accounts, somewhat historical figure that actually figures into your yes, into my time. I am speaking of Inanna this week, the OG, the original goddess. She's more original than Lilith. Yes. Oh. Yes, she was actually a sister to Lilith in most stories, depending on how which one you go on, because we have. Um, the Sumerian and the Babylonian and the Mesopotamian and the Assyrian and uh, anyway, all of these um, different, similar but different cultures uh, have a lot of the same deities. Sometimes the names change, sometimes they don't. Um, but yes, Inanna is in the mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh in the cuneiform text, which cuneiform I mentioned last week and someone asked me what that meant. Um, it's the oldest form of writing yeah. that we have. Um, 
dates back over 5,000 years and um, typically found near Assyria mm-hmm. or modern day Iran. Yeah. But that's, yeah, the most ancient tablet writings that we have mention Inanna as the OG. Yes, daughter of the moon god, sister to Lilith and of Ereshkigal, who is the queen of the underworld. So Inanna oh. is considered the queen of heaven. She's also known as Ishtar later on. Oh. Um, and she's associated with fertility, love, war, beauty, sex, divine law, political power. And her symbols are the lion, the dove, the most famous probably being the eight-point star. I've seen several... Um, people of late, it seems, wearing an eight-point star, hmm. which is kind of one of those... Octagon star. Yeah, it's kind of one of those um, things where if you think of a purple balloon, you see a purple balloon everywhere. And since mm-hmm. I've been studying her for the past few weeks, I feel like I see her symbols everywhere. And ironically enough, I went recently, I needed a new pendulum, and I went um, to an event where this woman was selling them. She'd been recommended to me. I went to look at her things. I had a very specific one in mind Mm -hmm. because I'd seen it. I was like, that's the one I want. That's it. I went, completely different one jumped out at me. Stones that I never pay attention to. Um, I know what they are, of course. They're popular. You know, it was citrine and lapis, and which are beautiful stones and very meaningful and powerful to most people, but they don't typically resonate with me. But this pendulum was like, I'm coming home with you. And I was like, okay, then. Nice. And as I was studying, both of those stones are associated with Inanna. So I Ooh. feel like I've picked up a little bit of um, that extra goddess energy. The Inanna vibes. The Inanna vibes are following me home now. Where did you find that? Uh, oh, I was at Walker Wellness. Oh, this last weekend. Mm-hmm. I need. I'll post in, um, which is unknown, the woman that I bought the pendulum from because she makes them herself and they're mm-hmm. just stunning. I I haven't ever seen any like them before, um, but I'll post in witches once I find her business card. I don't think I saw it. Did you show me? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No. I told you about it, but I don't think I showed you. No, I don't think I've seen it. Well. No, it was a good show, Walker Wellness, this weekend. Um, thanks for everybody that showed up. And uh, always a fun show. Got to do a lot of readings, meet some new people, some new followers, some new listeners, as well as do some trades with a few other readers. Uh, had a little bit of downtime here and there. And it was yeah. a fun weekend. Good. I was working in the yard most of the weekend. I just stopped in for a little bit yeah. one of the days. Always happy to see your face. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. It's so pretty. Mm-hmm. You say so. <laughs> you always find shiny things to bring home with you. I do always find all the shiny <laughs> things, unfortunately. Even when I always tell them, I'm like, I don't have any money today. I think I spent, like, at least 150 bucks still. I'm oh, like, my oh, God. I know. Blame it on all the things and Magical Mugworks. It's always her fault. <laughs> <laughs> she does good stuff, though. Oh, I, you're telling me. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. I am covering Inanna this week, and specifically the descent. Um, Inanna is associated with the planet Venus, and she is the enforcer of divine justice. Um, Mm. She's kind of known for being a bit of a rough-and-tumble badass. She's known for taking over when other gods 
fall down on the job, even if it's her own personal opinion that they've fallen down on the job, you know? <laughs> she um, steps in. Yes. So in the, in the Sumerian poem, The Descent of Inanna, uh, which chronicles her entire journey, the she, as the queen of heaven, goes is venturing into the underworld to visit her sister, Ereshkigal, who is the queen of the dead. And the poem is, from above, she opened her ear to the great below. From the great above, goddess opened her ear to the great below. And the works go on to describe um, her descent, accompanied part of the way by her faithful servant and her advisor, uh, Ninshubar. And it's Some funny. Hmm? Some big words. I know the names are interesting. I promise <laughs> I'm saying them as correctly as my hick tongue will allow. Um, <laughs> but it's an interesting story. For me, as the as a doula, this descent into the underworld I found interesting. That you know she took with her, at least part of the way, her trusted advisor. Because hmm. obviously, among siblings, there's always a little unrest. And there's, as I was reading, there's some supp supposition of, you know, we always assume that the gods and goddesses are flawless. And this kind of shows us their thought processes, which mm -hmm. show kind of the cracks in the system, if you will. Um, you know, that they can still be jealous. They can still put on airs. They can still make the wrong choice every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so she puts on seven different items, one of them being, you know, a lapis staff and a breastplate with citrine jewels and, you know, puts on her queenly garb, so to speak. Um, and... Um, she begins her descent and she gives Ninshubar her instructions on how to come to her aid should she, should she fail to return as expected. So you already know she's kind of walking she's in. She's worried about it. She's walking in not really trusting, you know. And um, upon the arrival at the gates to the underworld, she knocks really loud and she demands entrance. Um, <laughs> Nettie, the chief gatekeeper of the underworld, asks who she is. And she says, I'm Inanna, queen of heaven. <laughs> and he doesn't recognize her? Right. Well, oh. he's in the underworld. What does he know? Uh, Nettie asks why she would wish entrance um, into the land, quote, from which no traveler returns. And Inanna answers him, and this is a quote directly from the text. It says, because my older sister, Erishkrigal, her husband... Gugulanan, mm -hmm. or the bull of heaven, has died, and I've come to witness the funeral rites. Then he tells her to stay there while he goes to speak with Ereshkigal. Let me see if your sister knows you're coming. We'll mm -hmm. see if you're if you're welcome. And um, when he delivers the news to her sister that she's there, she it's the text say that she slapped her thigh and bit her lip. She took the matter t into her heart and dwelt on it. So obviously she's not very happy that her sister's there despite the fact that she's there to offer comfort um sisters you know always drama always trying to one-up each other <laughs> um so she tells Nettie to bolt the seven gates of the underworld against her Ooh. and then let her in one gate at a time and at each gate she has to remove one article of her royal garments so Nettie does as he's told he locks gate by gate and each gate he tells her to take off something else. Take off what you don't need. You don't need this in this space. And she asks him while she's doing it, 
while he's taking her things from her and he says the ways of the underworld are not for you to know mm-hmm. you know our ways are mysterious kind of thing sounds very much like Yahweh sounds very yeah sounds very intriguing that when gods don't have a reason other than so I can screw you over later <laughs> you know they, they're just like you just wouldn't understand go ahead and do it I don't it. have a reason nor an understanding but this is what I'm going to tell you but also if you look at it again from the doula's perspective you know she comes armed against the underworld against death itself and like we all do, all of those things are stripped away from us as we begin our descent. Sure. And there's seven gates. And by the time she arrives um, in the throne room of her sister, she is naked and bowed low is what the text says. Hmm. Which, of course, she's still the queen of heaven. So she, I can guarantee you she's not the least bit shy about walking in front of, you know, the seven gods of the underworld in her glory right and with reasons that we don't we are not told other than we can assume all of the family drama because the gods themselves give us the literal um template for family psychosis mm-hmm. you know mother and son relationships father and son relationships father and daughter relationships etc we see these in multiple cultures in every single pantheon and we think god the gods were fucked you know they were all crazy Um, so by the time she gets to the throne, for whatever reason, the text reads, they pass judgment against her. Eresh fastened on Inanna, the eye of death. She spoke against her, the word of wrath. She uttered against her, the cry of guilt. She struck her and Inanna was turned into a corpse, a piece of rotting meat and hung from a hook on the wall. Ouch. Right. Kind of rude. Comes to, comes to your husband's funeral and you hang her on a wall. Yeah. Um, so after three days and three nights waiting for her mistress, Ninshubar follows the commands that Inanna gave her and goes to Inanna's father, um, Enki, who again is the god of the moon. And uh, for assistance, she is granted um, two Gala, which are transgendered beings. Um, so they're, and the text literally says, created neither male nor female. And they aid in returning Inanna to the earth. Um, they enter the underworld like flies and follow hmm. Enki's specific instructions, and they attach themselves really closely to Ereshkigal. And so she, the, they come upon her, and the Queen of the Dead is seen in distress. You know, they see that she's not happy. Corpse. Right. Her husband's dead. Now she's killed her sister. Um, and the, the text says, No linen was spread over her body. Her breasts were uncovered. Her hair swirled around her head like leeks. So that doesn't sound like she's having a very good day. No. Walk in and I'm topless and my hair looks like leeks. I'm going to not be having a good day. Um, <laughs> I'll and, still stare. Well, the poem, it goes on and it describes um, like the, the groans of labor, like the distress that comes with childbirth, like mm-hmm. that intense of a pain. So they see her, they sympathize because obviously she's in pain. And in her gratitude, she tells them, you know, for your compassion, you can have whatever gift I possess. And they say, we wish only the corpse that hangs from the hook on the wall. Mm-hmm. And she gives it to them. The gala revive Inanna because they had brought with them the food and water of life. Because, of course, they were recently in heaven. Mm-hmm. And she rises from the dead. And walks backwards with them through all of the seven gates and back into heaven now because you can't walk front facing because the spirits will follow you out exactly that's specifically something our 
ghost tour bus driver uh, enforced. Well, that's something as a death doula, I t- which I told the bus driver when we were in New Orleans, and he was saying, you know, you, you exit backwards through, you know, the gates of a cemetery so nothing mm-hmm. follows you. That's something that we do while death dueling, specifically if you're a pagan death doula and you're having a lot of um, shadowing, Mm -hmm. then it's best to don't leave a door with your back turned. You know, one of the reasons I cover mirrors and I, I check myself before I wreck wreck myself. Um, (laughs) So as they come up out of the underworld, um, there's always a tit for tat, you know, nobody gets off scot-free. There has to be a replacement. Right. So, um, Eresh Krigal's like somebody, I killed one there. My hook's empty. I gotta have mm-hmm. some, you know, what's a hook without a body. So they have to find someone to take her place. And the demons of the underworld accompany her up to the earth's surface. And they're going with her to help pick a substitute to claim somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, they try to take Ninshabur first, and Inanna will not have that. Um, she just saved her life, yeah. Yeah, she's like, fuck that. Absolutely not. You are not touching my, my doula here, you know, because that's how I picture her. Um, she's like, you're not messing with her. So they look, and, you know, she sees her sisters and her servants and her beautician and her, you know, all of these different people that are, you know, in sackcloth and ash waiting for her because she'd been gone for three days. They knew she was dead. And then they come up to her lover, Demuzi, and mm. he's all dressed in his shining garments, says the, <laughs> says the text, <laughs> and on his magnificent throne. And so she's just obviously furious because... Unlike everyone else that she's come upon, everyone else is mourning her, and he's just business as usual. So she's like, ah, go ahead and take him. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Demuzi appeals to the sun god for help, and he's transformed into a snake, and he tries to escape, but he's caught and carried away into the underworld. And his sister, Geshtianana, is uh, volunteers herself. So... Again, the codependency. You wonder if that's actually a good thing or a bad thing. You know, you just, you don't know with all of these family dynamics. But she offers herself, and so she's going to do half the year, and he'll do the other half the year. And that's where one of the most ancient um, mentions that, you know, acknowledgments of seasons changing. Mm -hmm. And so when Demuzi is in the underworld, it's one season. And then when Geshtanana is in the underworld, it's the next season. So... Hmm. Um, and it's kind of the same way because in uh, the Greek we have Demeter and Persephone, and they they were explained kind of the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I Again, that last week on the Tarot Talk. Son of a nutcracker! What? I just said it. Oh, <laughs> dang! I, I missed it. Oh. One shot. I think that, <laughs> I think that's the first time I've said it. I think so. Blast. Um, so yeah, in Greek though, it's Persephone and Demeter, and yeah. again, freaking frack. Two. Look here. <laughs> we know you can count. <laughs> I smart. In direct comparison and alignment, the Greek myths and explanations for things are pulled directly from this Sumerian tale, so to speak. Nice. But this is the original tale. Um, tale as old as time? Tale as old as time. Did you almost sing that? I did not. Oh. 
sounded very sing-songy. I did? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no, I mentioned the pomegranates that are on the high priestess's uh, veil behind her and how that represents the seasons and mentioned very quickly Demeter mm-hmm. and Persephone, how she had to go to the underworld for six months of the year. Yeah. Yep. They split, they split it. They split the sentence. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, that's not the last of the adventures of Inanna, but that's probably the one most people are, if anyone is familiar with it, that's going to be one of the more familiar. Um, if you've ever read the Epic of Gilgamesh, if you've ever read Enuma Eilish, both of which I recommend, Keys of Solomon, um, Bear just finished recently, didn't you? A couple months ago, yeah. You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. No, the... Lesser Keys and Greater Keys of Solomon I read a couple months ago. Very interesting. It it really is because, again, you're freaking hot. <laughs> I'm going to stick that pencil in your eye. He's literally making tally marks. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know how much I got to drink next week. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what I was saying now. Again. I didn't say it. You, if I say it, does it, does it discount and moves one away? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Phew. Again. <laughs> Back to zero. <laughs> no shots for me. Anyway. Um... <laughs> you mentioned the epic, epic of Gilgamesh. Yes. Oh, and just reading the keys of song. Uh, reading all of these things mm-hmm. that are more ancient than the biblical text that we're used to reading. Mm-hmm are very beneficial. It's very helpful, especially because so many of the characters, if you've been raised in the church, will be familiar. Um, maybe not not to everybody. I was like Bible trivia champion. My dad read Bible stories to us every single night. Mm-hmm. I The knowledge that I have comes from it literally being beat into my brain as a child. So... That was one of our first encounters. Yes. In, oh, I had forgotten about that. In so Bible camp. I didn't remember meeting him ever until around junior year. Mm-hmm. And we were at separate churches. So we, we were at separate rivals. churches. He was chasing after a girlfriend of mine, and he'd come up looking for her. And that was the time that I felt like I had met him for the first time. But this as life. we were talking, I was telling him that the first year I had been to that camp, I won the Bible trivia contest and I hadn't, they hadn't done it again since then, but they always split it up into teams. And then it was a remaining male and female from opposing teams. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and some jerk almost beat me. (laughs) And it was him. And I didn't runner up champion. (laughs) I know he was the runner up. I was like that jerk. I was like, he almost beat me. But fortunately he, you said, it was literally like Hananiah over Azariah. Like it was just, it was just, a, it wasn't probably even really a mistake. You just so literally, slipped, yes, yeah. you just misspoke. And I was like, yes, and came in for the win. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I, that was our very first encounter to our knowledge. We haven't been able to trace back any other similarities since then. But yes, <laughs> he's the one that I beat 10th grade year at. Lake Texoma. We blew everyone else out of the water. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, there was, there's no beating like me. Even dusted. now, you know, my <laughs> son's friends are all, you know, Bible thumpers and always trying to see if they can convert me, you know, because they all worry about my soul because they love me, you know. 
And I'm just like, what, what do you want to know? Mm-hmm. Tell me anything. And, um, yeah, I can, I can wrestle with the rest of them when it comes to Bible knowledge and trivias. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're smart. And you're pretty. No, I don't think it's, it doesn't have anything to do with smart. It has to do with retention. My head is empty, so therefore it holds useless information. <laughs> <Empty>. <laughs> it's not empty. It's full of full of Bible facts. Cotton-headed ninny muggins. Pretty much. No, I I am not familiar with. In na 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 na. In na na. So, that was nice. You know, universal awareness, law, justice, all of those things. Hmm. The OG. And I think I've already mentioned, but um, her stones are citrine and lapis, uh, Mm -hmm. eight-point star, and lion are what she is specifically um, known for. There's a ton of others, you know, like doves, um, rosettes, like little rose clusters. Um, There's a set of reeds or tools that she holds that can be assembled, but it's just one of those things that... If you see it and you know it, then you know it. If you don't, then you don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah, because I the saw you know. some of the eight-point stars in Disney, and I thought it was some Disney thing, but it actually is traced back to Inanna. Hmm. Hmm. She was Assyrian? Yes. Well, originally Assyrian, and then goes into Babylonian and Mesopotamian mythologies as well. And Do you stories. feel like she has... Because I know we got a lot of good feedback on Lilith, and a lot of people responded well and were interested. And she's considered the sister of Lilith. The sister of. Mm-hmm. For you and your studies, does she have quite the following? Or Probably not. Because she's lesser known to me, but that doesn't mean as much, though. Hmm. Since I don't do I don't know. I don't... Studies. Typically, when I meet people who have deities that they worship hecate is the most common uh for sure and then freya norse gods i feel like are much more common Mm -hmm. probably just where from where we're at at. it's what people study it's what's familiar um but i'm sure there are people out there who know of inanna though i was surprised when i was researching for lilith all of the people that i asked a lot of them said little to nothing when I asked what they knew of her. Hmm. I'm sure had I asked about Inanna more times, which I only asked three people, none of them knew anything, so I don't feel like that was a very good statistic. They, yeah, they genuinely didn't. But then I asked them if they'd read the Epic of Gilgamesh, if they'd read Enuma Eilish, and they were like, hey. Mm -hmm. So um, it just, it depends on what you know and what you read and how far you dig and what comes to you. Nice. I don't assume anyone's dumb for not no. knowing who she is but we're becoming more and more conscious more and more aware um, as a society so i do feel like the liliths and the ananas and or ishtar will become more prevalent um, the more people look into and study i think that hecate just feels much more um, accessible and being, you know, the goddess of witchcraft, mm-hmm. it just seems like oh, a good one-stop shop, you know. Yeah. But um, I would definitely encourage anyone who's looking to do some deity work to look into Sumerian or Assyrian or Mesopotamian gods and goddesses. Nice. 
because a lot of the ones that you find through Greek and Roman mythology are modern transformations Redos of those. Of... Yeah, kind of. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically, I believe that, um, I don't know if I should say it or not, because I'm not 100% sure. I should probably Google and check in a little bit. But um, I believe that Inanna in the Greek becomes Dana, hmm. if I'm correct. You know, know there's always a male and there's always a female counterpart. Mm -hmm. Is that all you have for the moment? That's all I got. One of the things that, and I had been approached by a dear friend and longtime practitioner, that a lot of the work that I'm doing on myself right now, she said, Oh, I was wrong. Not Dana. Aphrodite. I apologize. Oh. Glad I checked. Well, that would make sense. The goddess of fertility and love. Yeah. Heavenly bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, Dana or Danu or Anu is uh, Celtic. She is the basically the same thing. The Earth Mother goddess, the principal goddess for um, the Celts. Mm. So not the Greeks. That would be her equivalent is Aphrodite for the Greeks. Nice. There's definitely a lot. And her Roman equivalent is Venus. That I know. Which Venus is in retrograde right now. Uh, which, yeah, that's why I was looking for, I'll share to which is um, Amber from Amber's Enchanted Energy shares updates on different moon cycles and her um, divination that she and advice that she gives on what to do during the times. And she mentioned Inanna, which I was super excited about mm-hmm. because, again, when you're researching these things, it, you feel like no one but you has ever heard of them. And why <laughs> am I even doing this if no one's heard? And then I see this perfect little blip on my Facebook and I was like, yes, it'll make it'll make sense to some. And it's worthy of being mentioned and um, it's going to be beneficial and not boring. Huzzah. <laughs> But I'll share um, what Amber wrote about Venus being in retrograde currently. I'll share it to which is unknown so people can see it. Yeah. We had a couple new join this week and always fun. We did. And your extroverted husband. Oh, my gosh. Can't not talk to people. He can't not talk to people everywhere we go. Sees this, He's a proselytizer. Sees this adorable couple with their kids in the Halloween aisle at... Yeah, at at home. home. At and home, the store. Yeah. No, they were in our home. Yes, <laughs> at, at home, the store. Shut up. And we're all googly-eyed at all the fun Halloween stuff. And, yeah, everyone's being witchy again, like we are all year round. And I see that she has a moon necklace and a black craft uh, T-shirt. And he has a Norse uh, sigil necklace and... Uh, several of the tattoos that were giveaways. And so I turned around, I, I looked at Raven and was like, sorry, I have to say something. And she's like, fine, fine. He's like, should I say something? I should say something, should I? I was like, they can literally hear you saying, should I say something? I'm like, I'm going to go to the other aisle and you go make a fool of yourself on your own. <laughs> and so I turned around and introduced myself and I, and uh, I saw them. I was like, I'm guessing by your necklaces and what you're wearing that you are not right-wing fundamentals. And they both laughed. And so we talked for a minute and uh, they just moved to the Oklahoma City area and just looking for 
they weren't really necessarily looking for community, but it's always something that people are like, oh, I wish I knew more people. And that's what they said. And I was like, hi, we're your people. And here's our socials and here's our podcast. And then they uh, properly joined and hopefully enjoying the podcast and being mentioned on this week's episode, randomly running into wild bear in public. <laughs> Coming across. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have um, telling everybody about pagans and witches all the time. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned uh, the epic of Gilgamesh a couple times. I did. And I was told to look into that story as well a couple months ago on some of the journey I'm doing and the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And oh, I believe Amber is the one who told you to do that. It was. Mm-hmm. Same mention, Amber of Amber's Enchanted Energy. Same brilliant force of ancient wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of a thing. Yeah, she's good. Oh, good is a word. When we need help, that's who we go to. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we have so many people that reach us, reach out to us. And yeah, we're the ones that when we're in a bind, we reach out to her. She's our mentor, advisor, no, for witch who lives in the woods. I was say, she's, she's, she's yeah, the reclusive witch yes, in the woods. Yes, she's our reclusive witch in the woods who knows all the things. Mm-hmm. A fount of inspiration and knowledge. Information. And just good at everything that she touches. And so I got a chance to sit and talk with her. And, and she's like, have you looked into the story? And I said... I'm familiar with it, but not on that level. And so she prods me to dig into it. So I start doing that. And then Raven comes to me a week or two ago and she's like, I think my next goddess is going to be this person. And which goes through several other stories and blah, 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 Gilgamesh. I was like, wait a minute, what? Because Inanna does show up in his story, but not under the same name. That's why I was confused. So Gilgamesh himself is based on a historical king that of the same name who lived in the Sumerian period, uh, Sumerian city of Uruk, and uh, it's now present-day Iraq. This was around 2700 BCE, and a lot of things were proclaimed about him, and if I have time, I'll, I'll go into some of the modernization and some of the, of the, what do you, moral of the story? Yes. The point, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because the story itself is super interesting, but then digging in and looking at what you can take from it, even in a modern day setting, is just as wild. The things you can just keep Yeah, no, I feel like the psychosis behind a lot of these, or the psychology, I shouldn't say the psychosis, the people had the psychosis, the psychology behind a lot of these stories um, is mirrored in our decisions you know, even today. Mm-hmm. So people attribute him to being a demigod, two thirds God, one third man. Uh, he had superhuman strength and he lived exceptionally long. Again, the Sumerian record of Kings, which adds some validity to it was that he would, he reigned for 126 years. So that's not his entire life. That's just how long he was the King. And this was considered after the flood. Um, which is mentioned in the story. He was also attributed to being a great builder and warrior and knower of all things on land and sea. So physically and mentally, he was, he was 
you know, legendary. But with all of this being attributed to him, he failed in the fact of being a good ruler. He protected the city, which allowed him to become the ruler. And then as he, you know, had legions of young men as army and legions of women that he, you know, slept with. And then, but he was a very harsh ruler, which caused the people to not necessarily uprise because he built a great nation and, uh, and the walls was something that were attributed to his building. Oh yeah. He -hmm. built it himself. He, no, or he was a great manager. He was a great king. Oh yeah. That brought all these things about. So his nation rose up and prayed to their gods and goddesses. Like, please, we need a break from this guy. He's just way too tough on us. So from that spawned a god that was willing to create someone to help him find himself. So they called him Enkidu, this wild man of the countryside. Say, how did you say it? Enkidu. Enkidu? Okay. Yep. Like Yankee Doodle, Enkidu. (laughs) That one I had to look up to make sure I was saying it right. Oh, so you did actually look up the pronunciation? Yeah. Okay. Enkidu. Mm Mm-hmm. Enunciation N Kidu. N Kidu. I <laughs> I'm not really sure I could say audibly what the word I put in my brain for that word is. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know. That's oh that's so and so. I know so and so. Anyway. Um one of the gods that you mentioned, the god of the goddess of the sky, or uh Anu. Yes. Uh, was the one that responded to their cries and so this was very Adam and Eve type. He wasn't born. He was created out of the yes. dust of the earth in the wilderness as a full-grown adult male. Since you've read all of the stories, I should, when this episode is over, I should ask you how you would pronounce all of the names. Because I read the paper book, and I believe you did the audible. So you should actually know how to pronounce them. If they even pronounced it correctly, I don't know. Oh, true. Some of those audible people, Darn, you're like, I know. Who let you read? Mm-hmm. Because there's one god, U-T-U, that I read, you do, mm-hmm. but somebody said you too, and I was like, you too, really? <laughs> <laughs> They're a good band. I know. I was like, I can't I can't call a god you too. <laughs> bon Jovi. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a god, but... Mm-hmm. So uh, the gods created this wild man who had no ego, whereas Gilgamesh was all... Ego was very much man's man. He had the armies. He had the city. He had all the women he wanted. He, you know, but he wasn't whole. And so this was kind of that creation to help set him right. And so this full-grown wild man in the wilderness, I I feel like it's kind of like Mowgli, but as an aggressive adult. Mm -hmm. Or Tarzan. Tarzan. That's a better. That's better. You're right. Yeah, sorry. I went back to childhood. Um, Tarzan is childhood. It's fine. So he's very just typical hairy chested wild man. He wears animal skin clothes. He literally is just like the man's man in the wilderness. And But he has this very civil sense of justice. And all the trappers that are killing animals and poachers. And uh, he's just wrecking havoc in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So... It's funny the things that get set into motion. So he's created to help balance Gilgamesh. And while he's out there, he's creating all 
this hell out there and all the all the uh, hunters and poachers are just fed up with him and they uh they keep he keeps letting the animals out of the traps he keeps freeing them he keeps Which, beating up all the uh, if i'm breaking in and saying something i'm not supposed to yet you can delete this scrub it but isn't there um isn't it the jungian interpretation of this story that he that it's they're the same that it's just different parts of him different parts of his personality i'll get there yeah okay i'm sorry there's are you gonna scrub it no (laughs) okay i'm sorry it's fine i apologize because there's also the story in the bible where nebuchadnezzar is loses his mind momentarily Mm -hmm. and is cast out and becomes a wild man, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So there's tie-ins to that as well. Oh yeah. It, it spans through a bunch of different stories. Okay. I apologize. Continue. I will go back to staring at the wall, (laughs) not interject anymore. Again. (laughs) Hey, I didn't do it. You didn't. You're trying very hard. I can feel that. I am. I'm sitting here so (laughs) patiently. So he's out here. Again, a lot of similarities. Some people say a lot of pieces of the Bible came from this story because it was so much behind, It was so much further back than dating the Bible. So these guys get together, tired of them, him messing with their animals and their prophets, and so they go to a temple prostitute named Shamhat. Shamhat. Not like Shamwow, Shamhat. Huh. That could go south easily. Ham shat. Shat ham. Shat hat. Um, so, she is paid to tame this wild man. And... Nobody pays me. Just saying. It's been 19 years. You're doing great, babe. Yeah, it's a labor of love, let me tell you. <laughs> so what is referred to as an epic six-day, seven-night romp. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. They must have uh, had good times. I guess. As they just, for days and nights, just tear through the jungle and each other. After it's all done, she has significantly changed who he is in this process. Let me tell you, men. You find a partner, (laughs) they can change your life. Good or bad. And sex will do it. Take you off the eyes off the prize. Sex takes your eyes off the prize? It helps you, it'll make you focus in different directions. Hmm, or makes you not care as much about all the other stupid things that you were doing so I can close those away. (laughs) I'll just shut the door to that part of your life. (laughs) Look what's on the side of this door. (laughs) You can keep being a wild man in the wilderness, or you can have all of this. (laughs) Yes, basically. It's just a bartering system. Mm -hmm. We'll trade. So... At the end of this seven-night romp, uh, he has lost his ability to communicate with animals. And he's lost his desire to be out in the wilderness. And he realized, huh, I like sex. I like people. <laughs> so Pants aren't so bad after all. Yeah. So he has this innate desire to do right. And she sets him on a path. The only person that can challenge you is Gilgamesh. So she sets him on a path to go find him. And he's like... I'm, I am jungle man. I will, I will beat him and I will be the strongest man in Uruk. And she's like, he is stronger than you. And he's like, no, he's not. I'll go find out. Who the heck did that just sound like? I don't know. 
Bear Black. That's who it sounded like. I am strongest man. I will beat him. I, I, we just had UFC fight last night. Don't think I didn't hear all of those things. I could take him. <laughs> back in my day. I'm like, they're 205 pounds heavier than you. Ah, it don't matter. Look at these arms. So I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he sets off into town and goes to find Gilgamesh. And when he does, he sees him in a way that makes him despise him. Whatever he's doing, there was one story that I found. He was mistreating a woman or he was being inappropriate with this individual. And Enkidu was not pleased with it. And so he set off to attack him. And so there's just big battle that goes on and they... There's one story that says that they were fighting on top of one of the walls. Mm-hmm. And he goes to fight, and then Gilgamesh is going to fall off the edge in the middle of his fight. So Enkidu reaches out, grabs him, and pulls him back up. And he's like, why would you save me? You're a fool. What are you doing? And he's like, we're fighting to the death, and you just reached out to save me. And But that was, one to me, one of the lesser sides. Most of it is they have this big, massive... Because to me, that's... Gilgamesh losing, and Gilgamesh wins the fight um, and impresses Enkidu in a way he's like, okay, you're tougher than me, you're stronger than me. Right. And so he realizes he can't beat him, so he becomes his servant uh, in most stories. And so they set out to travel uh, the world together. They go to go conquer and fight and they go from being closer than brothers. One person said the language used, because it wasn't English, obviously, the language used is like husband and wife, although there was no sexual relationship implied. Yeah, it's kind of like Jonathan and David. Yep. Yes, a love passing the love of women. Mm-hmm. With no sex. And... Too bad. But then also, again, it's crazy, because I go look up what I've read and then I go look up somewhere else and they're like, well, they were intimate. I was like, well, that, where did that come from? And just trying to figure it all out. Everybody has different versions of. Yes. Because again, dang it. Oh. Blasted frast. <laughs> <laughs> Scriptures and interpretations and intimacies, you know, sex was not considered the most intimate thing that a person did with, each other back then you know it was considered a necessary part of life it's not necessarily something that you know that would have been considered scandalous like ooh, they're lovers too it have been like well of course they are what else are they gonna do you know mm-hmm. um so the stories that i have read of the pair i do believe them to have been intimate basically the same person um and when you get into the studies of the psychology behind it I do think that it was a melding of the two parts of the same person becoming whole, mm-hmm. which I won't spoil your story because I'm sure you're moving towards the end. I know. You should see the look he's giving me. Like, Getting I there. swear, if you say one more word, <laughs> I'm throwing this coffee cup at you. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure you have it all under control. I just, I'm interjecting and I will sit and be quiet again. You're good. So they end up, Travel companions, best friends, more than brothers, and they go and you know they, these are men like they like challenges, they like to fight, they like the struggle. So they go find epic, legendary boss battles and they go tackle them together. 
And at one point, you know, Gilgamesh is like, oh, I can't take him by myself. And, and Enkidu is like, but together we can. You're not alone anymore. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And we can do this together. Again, so many parallels, and I feel like I'm going to run out of time. Won't be able to dig as deep. But So they take on the monster Humbaba and try to gain everlasting glory. And they defeat him. And at the end, he starts pleading for his life. And Gilgamesh is, is kind of backing out of wanting to kill him. He's like, well, maybe we can just take him back, uh, capture him. But Enkidu urges him to keep going and take his head back as a trophy. So they yeah. end up doing that and because he realized that we, they couldn't keep him alive. He was bad news. So all of their epic tales come across the eyes of Ishtar, who Raven just mentioned as Inanna, mm-hmm. and uh, it describes her as the divine embodiment of sexual desire, procreation, and she's like this super manly man, Gilgamesh, he's a king. Yum. A, a king of kings. He's a demigod. Of men. And she's like, I think I, I must have him. But what happens is he sees that she's beautiful and he, he acknowledges, I bet the sex is amazing, but... I, I got Enkidu. <laughs> I don't need any more. I'm good. I know your reputation, and I know that when you're done with a man, you just destroy him and toss him out. He's like, I'm not going to be that person. So he declines her advances, which, you know, a woman scorned is bad. A goddess scorned is even worse. So, Yeah, so she just decides to skip a few steps. <laughs> yep. No love for you, just destruction. So she goes to her father uh, and... Pleased to him, like, Daddy, he doesn't want to have sex with me. <laughs> and so... Rude! Partitions, petitions him to send the violent bull of heaven, which you also mentioned. I did. Uh, to wreck destruction on his country. So this bull of heaven comes down and just starts wrecking stuff, destroying, killing thousands of people. And of course, this is all punishment for rejecting her. So the two of them together decide... Uh, they overcome and they kill the beast. So now this makes the gods angrier. They protect the city, they're heroes, but then the gods are like, okay, they won, good for them, but we still need to punish them. So they determine that Enkidu must die as re- retribution. Retribution. Yep. So this was the part where, uh, and it was kind of Enkidu's fault a little bit. He... This part is where you, you know, win victoriously and then still be kind in the winning. Don't be an ass. Because <laughs> he literally, after they defeat the bull, Enkidu tears it in half and he sees Ishtar on the wall watching the battle. And he sees her and essentially flips her off and says, if I could catch you, then I would do the same thing to you and I would tear you in half and I would... Uh, the guts of the bull on your shoulders. And then he throws the ass end of the bull at her. Yeah, I mean, you wonder. <laughs> Evidently it goes far enough that it makes her even more mad because... She had to know. dodge a, yeah. the ass of a bull? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably not be very pleasant either. So, uh, because of all that, he is marked to die and he gets some form of disease that eventually takes him. And then what happens is that Gilgamesh, losing his friend, losing his companion, oh, better half, his, yeah, soul self, in all these things that 
it's said as they they travel because they when they met when they were young. Some people say you know, one one article said in early twenties, which again, if he lived for over a hundred something years, if he ruled for over a hundred something years, right. then he lived for even longer. Yeah, yeah. People said that they you know like a partnership, like a marriage partnership, husband and wife. The the old joke is you know you stay married too long, you start acting and looking like each other. You take on your spouse's you know. Facial features. Oh, like no. Raven's over there making faces at Our me. Our facial features do not meld well. Actually, they do. Our <laughs> babies are children. quite cute. Yep. So they started taking on traits of each other, and that is what said what helped make him a good king in the end. That's what helped heal him in a way to be a better human, a better king. Well, uh, I'm not going to say it because you're probably going to say it in a minute. It's what started his um, journey into immortality. It is. You're exactly right. Sorry. So, at the loss of his friend, he grieved beyond grief. Um, anger and grief are two of those things that can destroy your life. And he set out on this path. He gave up friends, family, his kingdom, and he just wandered. And he was looking for a way to find eternal life. And he had heard that uh, this name I won't try to pronounce, but Essentially, he was what, kind of like the Bible says about Noah, he was the the only man to survive the flood. And because he survived the flood, then he was granted immortality. Mm-hmm. And he so he's now like the lonely man in the woods. Nobody can find him in this secluded place. And, of course, Gilgamesh finds him, talks to him, and he tells him the story. Essentially the same story that the Bible tells. They had the boat, six, you know, the flood, they get stuck on a mountain, pointing the right way. He lets a dove out, like goes through the same thing that if you read the Bible tells and this was written long before the Bible so do with it as you want to but he can't get immortality out of this there's no way that uh, Gilgamesh can get this he can't he wants to learn the secret and there's no way to it so then he he keeps going on pushing there's scorpions along the way that he fights to guard the passageway um, from the shores of the sea of death and he finally realizes that he can't he can't do it. There's no way. And they tell him this is not a way for a man to live. You need to go back and live your life. Humans die. And that was death is inevitable was one of the yes. conclusions to the story is that live your life accordingly. We're all going to hit that end and make the best of it while you can. Um, a lot of people say that well, this also story... death is transition. So I I will never say that death is a bad thing. It's how we are made anew. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the only healing that is possible for these bodies is through transformation and through this body dying and starting anew. One of the accounts I read talks about how obviously Gilgamesh has had many more reincarnations, and he was on that twelfth reincarnation. Which, if you look up the number twelve in numerology. Um, it relates it to the 12th zodiac sign, uh, Pisces, uh, the 12th tarot card, which is the hangman, that that positioning of, you know, being stuck and learning. And uh, he puts out 12 stones in the beginning at the temple, uh, not the temple, at the wall gates. So again, that number 12 comes up. And I won't go into all that, What, how many times 12 pops up in so many different esoteric and scriptural yeah it's like the 12 12 disciples disciples the 12 sons of abraham you know mm-hmm. yada 12 yada tribes yep 12 comes up a lot which is a whole son, yes. which is a whole nother thing 
So this was one of Gilgamesh's awakenings was, you know, finding Enkidu and then... Sons of Jacob, I'm sorry. Sons of Israel. Duh, not Abraham. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just piddling. But they... Finding this man opens up a lot of possibilities for himself and allows him to find himself more. And in one account, it talks about Enkidu comes back in spirit form and inhabits his body and helps him finish life and be a better human, a better person, a better king. Um, So many parallels throughout lore and literature come from this. uh, The Homer's Iliad and Odyssey bears a lot of resemblance to the story if you read through it. But just the, man, read it and, you know, take time in it and see what it does for you. But to me, it's the, it's so many weeks I I end up talking about the shadow self or balance and finding the two halves of yourself. And this story, again, I find another week in a row that (laughs) I end up talking about a similar subject in a different way unintentionally. And when the universe keeps giving the lessons, it's going to give giving the lessons till you get the lesson. Mm-hmm. So, to me, this story is all about your id and your ego, your unconscious and your subconscious. I mentioned with the magician versus the high high priestess, and being able to meld your two selves where you can be a whole um, and be a better human overall from finding that it talks about companionship, about brothers, and about trust and you know, people that make those kind of impacts in your life and how you overcome obstacles because you have those people in your life. And so many things about this story are just deep and moving in a way that they don't write shit like that anymore. Well, no, we write shit based off of these stories. You know, it's the same Mm -hmm. type of things regurgitated since, you know, literally tales as old as time. Yep. Yep. But I think we're fixing to run out of time, and there's so much more I could say, but I'll just let you guys read it yourselves. Yes. And unless you have Epic anything of else. Gilgamesh, Enuma Eilish, Lesser Keys of Solomon. Read them all. Yep. Take the time. Learn. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Ugalana. 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 You're going to have to edit that down. <laughs> <laughs>